Hey, it's time to be starting something. Some sports talk in the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Going 406, where you can swing for the fence. And by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie Ocean, Coach Joe here in the Ozone. We are taking names and kicking posteriors. And let me tell you, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Got a great show lined up for you tonight. And uh, also, Bucks are going to take on the Falcons in Atlanta one o'clock on Sunday is the kickoff noon pregame. You can hear that right here on ninety-six point seven FM. And uh, the Bucks are forty-five, one forty-five twenty-eight in the first game in Tampa. They're eight and three. The Falcons are five and six. So let's get the job done, Bucks. And uh, they shouldn't have too much trouble with the Falcons, right, Coach Joe? Well. You know, they had probably had more trouble in the earlier game as the defense was more banged up. You said at 28 points scored by Atlanta. Atlanta has been kind of cooling off a lot since then. Uh, they're, they, you did, they do have to watch out for Kyle Pitts, though. He is having a great rookie season for the Falcons, and I know that he has put up some great catches, and, and Matt Ryan uh, loves throwing to him. So uh, it won't be uh, – and it's in Atlanta, so it won't be a super easy game – but uh, one thing the Bucks have been able to do is move the ball and score points on Atlanta, and that should be the difference. You know, one of the things that always amazes me is, you know, they're going to play the SEC championship game starting at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. And they've got to turn the stadium around for that 1 o'clock game the next day. It's amazing to me how quickly they can do that. I'm sure they have to work all night in, in order to be able to do that. But that's always amazed me how quickly they can do that. And – um you know, on this date, back in 1948, after one of the best seasons in baseball history, St. Louis Cardinals' Stan Musial was named the NL MVP. He led the National League in batting average, 365 he hit that year, scored 135 runs, had 131 RBIs, 230 hits, which included 46 doubles, 18 triples, and 39 home runs. He ended up with a 331 lifetime batting average. You might want to remember that name, Stan Musial. You never know when you might hear that a little later in the show. I had an opportunity to actually meet him. Um, my secretary at one of the places I used to work at the Florida Phosphate Council married uh, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals back then. They used to have a party at their house every year, and uh, they let me come over there and Stan Musial, Dan Deerdorf, Red Shandies was there, Whitey Herzog. Man, you talk about a kid in heaven, but, man, I was. Uh, with a, a lot of great St. Louis names. That yeah, oh, yeah. Just were rattling them off one yeah. after the other. What was the occasion for that? Uh, it was a party that um, my the general manager of the Cardinals, who married a girl here from Lakeland, and uh, he, he had a party every year, and he, they invited me, let me come. And um, one of the biggest thrills of my life was – Whitey Herzog told me, he says, hey, he says, Ronnie, I want you to come over. We're going to dress you out tomorrow at spring training. And uh, a friend of mine down the street, he'd grown up in St. Louis, loved the Cardinals, and uh, he was so mad at me. He said, you sorry, rascal. You don't even like the Cardinals. I can't believe that you're going to get to do that and not me. And uh, so we go over there, and you know, I th we're sitting in the stands watching him practice, and I'm thinking, you know, he's not going to remember that. And all of a sudden, he looks over in the stands. He says, Ronnie. 
get your fanny down here. And he sends me into the clubhouse and dresses me out in Ozzie Smith's uniform. Oh, my buddy was dying. <laughs> wow. I'd never heard that one, that one before, Ronnie. Oh, You're yeah. You're holding it back on me, man. That's a great story. <laughs> I used to have a picture of me in my St. Louis Cardinals uniform and uh, general manager on one side. And on the other side was Whitey Herzog and – I had my arm around him, and uh, I do have to admit, I used to tell girls, yeah, it was back when I was with the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very brief stay, and I didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> well, those were some great Cardinals teams managed by Whitey Herzog back in the 80s. Uh, they won the World Series in 1982, and they yep. uh, made it to the World Series uh, in 1985 and right. 87 as right. well. Uh, really, really great baseball was being played, and the Mets were good back then, too. And that, they were in the same division back then, and they used to have some great battles. Oh, they did. I used to love the name Joaquin Andujar. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he was famous for saying, you never know, but uh, he said it as one word. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the one. He got thrown out of a World Series game, didn't he, arguing with the umpire? That I think he was going to go after him if they hadn't stopped him. Well, uh, ga- the uh, 19, 1985 World Series that they didn't win, uh, they played against Kansas City, yep. and they had the 3-1 to one lead and, in fact, were uh, in Kansas City for Game 6 and 7 and had the lead in Game 6. There was a famous bad call at first base by yep. uh, the umpire, Don Denkinger, called uh, a Royals player safe. When he was really out, by uh, he should have been called out. No replay back then. And uh, Kansas City ends up winning that game in a real uh, nail-biter walk-off. And so the following night, Joaquin Andohar is pitching Game 7, you know, but they're still thinking about the night before. Yeah. It completely fell apart. Kansas City won by like 12 to nothing. It was really a rout. And it think, as things were just going south and getting worse, Andohar decided he had enough, and he got himself kicked out of that game. <laughs> Oh, me. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have with us Keith Bearfield Jr., head football coach of the Lake Gibson Braves, who are going into the semifinals. They're going to take on Tampa Bay Tech over in Tampa on Friday night. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF. This is James Harris, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe are in the Ozone tonight. Talk Radio 96.7 is brought to you by Going 406 and by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, James Shaq Harris, one of the great quarterbacks in NFL history. And, you know, we were so blessed that we knew Ken Riley. And we used to go to his fundraiser. And Ken introduced us to so many great guests, man. We've had so many guests on as a result of our friendship with the late, great Ken Riley, who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, hands down. Yeah, he certainly should. And what a great event uh, that was. And I believe his son's going to try to to revive it uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, they did they did a sort of mini version of it this past year. Uh, uh, but uh the great thing about it was getting a chance to meet such great players like James Harris, like uh, Larry Little. We met we met him there. Dwight Stevenson, uh, Sugar Bear Hamilton, Archie Griffin. Ar- Archie Griffin was there. Yeah, there were so many uh, uh, guys like Greg Coleman. Uh, so many players that you think of, uh, and and 
so many of them were willing to come on the show too and talk to us. We oh, always yeah. had such a blast with that, and it's such great guys. And the stories they they told about then Henry. Of course, we got the, Henry Lawrence. He's been on the yeah. show a lot. He was always a a big hit at that party. <laughs> I was, he's uh, a ham. I yeah. tell you what, he's not shy at all. Oh yeah, he, he he's a really terrific guy. And Ken Riley was. An absolute tre- Lakeland treasure, uh, and it was in Bartow, Polk County treasure. Yeah, you know, he, he would, and we sure do miss him a bunch. What a what a truly truly great gentleman. Yeah, he was, and um, man, I tell you what, well, Ken Anderson was Ken another Anderson. one that we had on. You know, we need yeah. to get him back. He said he would come back, and we need to get him back. I'll, we'll work on that. Oh yeah, he was terrific on the show, and uh, another good guy. I remember. Uh, he made sure to be here when you know, at Ken Riley's funeral, and uh, so, so a lot of the guys managed to make it there from the Bengals or from uh, the Florida A and M. Uh, and yeah, it's really, it's it's fun hearing his insights because you know he he played, of course, the quarterback to, to the Bengals to victory in the AFC Championship game and the coldest game ever played <laughs> ever in any sport anywhere. I think poor Chargers. <laughs> I think you have to be in the Iditarod to <laughs> to get something colder than what it was in Cincinnati that day. I think it was uh, minus thirty degrees with wind chill minus fifty seven. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. You know the. Uh, Man, the only th- you know, the, the, uh, it was so cold. I know that uh, Eric went up there with his wallet so he could make his cash even colder and harder. <laughs> yeah, it was so cold. I saw a politician, <laughs> and he had his hands in his own pockets. No, no, that can't be possible. That is impossible. <laughs> it, you know, it's a, it's a little bit chilly tonight, uh, but here in Lakeland, it's a gorgeous day actually, and it, it was so nice. We got to, they just did a space launch uh, out of Cape Canaveral yeah. a little while ago, and we stood out on the balcony and we could see it really perfectly. It was just after dark because we were here early today, uh, which is you know once a year it's the parade. Uh, Christmas parade here in Lakeland, and Ronnie and I always get here a couple hours early because the parking can get kind of difficult and it gets crowded. And what's nice about it is because we we work at night, and Eric doesn't allow us to to uh, talk to other people at the station even <laughs> even during the day, so we never get to see any of the guys. But they're all here. Lynn was here, and 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 so many of the other guys who work at the station or who are who are on uh, other shows. They were here, and we got a chance to catch up. We had a chance to t- chat with the Sports Central guys, a great bunch of young young. Guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, why would they want to talk to us? You know, Eric's got a yacht. He's got his own Learjet. You know, his limo. And, I also got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And they, they all went off, of course, to be in the parade. Uh, and unfortunately, Eric makes sure it's always on a Thursday night so that we have to work. And we can yeah, never be exactly. in it. <laughs> but, uh, but it was great seeing everybody. So we had a, it, it's, it's actually one of my – once I get here, you know, because it really is tricky with the parade uh, traffic. But once I get here, this is one of my favorite nights to be on the show of the year when I – because uh, it snuck up on us, Ronnie. You know, we're in December. Christmas is coming. I know. Uh, I know. It's uh, and I was just uh, thinking about enjoying how much I enjoyed all the college football last Saturday, and it's almost over. Because last Saturday was, I think, you know, it's wonderful because it peaks like that. You have one rivalry game after another after another, and you can go just a whole day seeing one great game after another. But at the same time, it's sort of a bittersweet feeling because you know it's almost over now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it, it seems to go so quickly. It's, it's just unbelievable how quickly it goes. Right, just like that. You know, um, looking at the conference championship games coming up. Exciting stuff. I think one of the biggest chances for an upset is Houston. They're very quietly 11-1. and one. They've got an outstanding team, and Dana Holverson's done a great job there. And their defensive coordinator is a guy that – 
um, the Gators really want to try to get after, and he's done a great job with them too. And uh, their quarterback, I think his name's Clayton Toon, he's a solid football player, man. He He's good. And I think they have a chance to upset Cincinnati, except in it's, it's in Cincinnati and it's probably going to be cold. But, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you see the biggest chance for an upset? Well, Houston is a very good chance to beat Cincinnati. And I think Houston has finally been ranked. I don't know why they've been so uh, underrated all year. They're really a fine team with a terrific offense. They're going to score points, and it's going to be up to Cincinnati to make sure they don't make too many mistakes. You know, Cincinnati can sometimes let teams hang around a little bit and get themselves in danger. Sometimes they get off to slow starts. And I've noticed that over the last month because I've been watching a lot of their games. But they are very talented. And I think when push comes to shove, I think they'll pull it out. But it will not be easy. And if you're talking about style points, why isn't Cincinnati winning by more? You know, the American Conference has some good teams. These they are do. Not, these are not pushovers. And uh, Cincinnati deserves all the respect they've gotten so far. And it, I'm curious because I expect it to be a close game. Obviously, if they lose, they are not going to be in the playoff. But if they win and it's not a an easy win, it's going to be curious to see if uh, Oklahoma State is allowed to jump over Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, if uh, Notre Dame is going to be allowed to jump over Cincinnati. And uh, Michigan's already has. But what if Alabama loses? Do they stay in front of Cincinnati? You know, they should so, not. I, not I don't care lose. what your name is. Not if they lose. If you've got two losses, you should be gone. And, uh, you know, the other thing about Houston is that they've got one of the best kickoff returners in the country. That was amazing. They beat SMU yeah. with his kickoff, 100-yard kickoff return yeah. in the final minute of the game. Oh, that's still one why of my Why would you kick to him? Yeah, why? <laughs> I know. You know who he is. You know what he's done, and you kick the ball to him. Did you see the end of the Bucks game against the Colts? Leonard Fournette, you know, they're, try, they're in field goal range trying to run the clock yeah. down, and he, he breaks loose and scores. And so they get a – so instead of being up by three and no time on the clock, they're up by seven with about 20 seconds left. And the kickoff, ensuing kickoff, the guy's on his way. The last gasp tackled him at around the 30-yard line, and uh, then – Luckily, there was only time for a couple more plays, so the Bucks were able to hold on. But <laughs> oh man, they they kicked it deep, but he he caught it eight yards deep, and he took it out from there. You know, they figured they'd kick a touchback, but he didn't quite kick it far enough. Well, the Iron Bowl, I mean, Auburn's uh, dominating them, but yeah. what, what happens so often? They're dominating, but they can't score, and they go up ten nothing on Alabama. It looks like they've got them, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Alabama comes by, they kick a field goal, and then they get the extra point. They kick the score touchdown, throw that pass. That was a tremendous pass. What a great drive that was. It, it was, it, what, it, like know, 97 it, yards? 97 yards with uh, very little time on the clock. Uh, more time than they should have had because, unfortunately, Auburn made that. It always comes to bite you when you do. They were trying to run yes. out the clock, and you go out of bounds and, and save the other team a timeout. That always comes back to haunt you, and it did in that case. But Bryce Young. If Alabama has a chance this week, it's because Bryce Young really is that good. And I just can't believe it. We've talked about this before. One quarterback after another for Alabama. You know, Jalen Hurts, Tua, uh, Mac Jones, and now Bryce Young. And these guys are all uh, elite college quarterbacks. And and the other three are already starting in the NFL. Starting in the NFL. Oh, and Mac Jones is excelling. Yeah. And Tua's leading the league since he got back from injury. He's leading the league in in completion percentage. He's completing 80% of his passes. That's (laughs) unbelievable. 80% of your passes in practice. 
would be good. In, oh, yes. In skeleton drills. Yeah, he was 27 of 31 again in the last game. 27 of 31. Jeez. <laughs> Just think if he could throw right-handed. I mean, he's doing all this left-handed. He's so good. <laughs> Just to keep it fair. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, I remember one time I um, I, we uh, we were going to New Orleans, I think, and there was a charter flight out of Lakeland, and they asked me to come up with – some quiz questions on the Gators. And one of the questions I had was, can you, this is before Tim Tebow, can you name, I think it was three left-handed Gator quarterbacks. I and, always go with Bob Yuko. He was yeah, there when I was right. in college. That's he, right. One of my favorite quarterbacks. Yeah. He was a great guy too. He had his own uh, talk radio show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was involved in that lingerie football league, wasn't he? Didn't he own a team? Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was crazy. And he was part of the Miami Hooters uh, which was a, an arena team as well. He was a big part of that. He he, I, he was a hilarious guy. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. He and uh, Scott Brantley used to have a show in Tampa on the radio, and I used to call him all the time and get the FSU fans stirred up, <laughs> and they'd laugh. <laughs> they'd say, well, the phone lines are going to light up now, and they always would. You know, even back then when I'd listen to their show, I'd always thought, if I ever was a part of a sports talk show, I wanted it to be just like that. You know, and here you are. And here we are, yeah. They were they were really that good. They were perfect together. Well, Eric's laughing at us. You think that's the same as having the audience laugh at us? I always get worried when Eric starts smiling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, he just thinks about his bank account or, or the banks. You know, he owns banks. He's, you know, he's a man of, of much wealth and you know, he just doesn't. He doesn't share it. He's such a skin flint. Well, you know, I just wonder how many nuns and orphans he put out on the street. <laughs> I can't see him smiling. Like Not that. enough. <laughs> uh, you know, I understand that Scrooge was actually fashioned after Eric. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> Well, you know, we we you always kept posters of athletes on our walls growing up. Eric kept a picture of Scrooge That's right. poster on his wall. His favorite cartoon character was Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> He's my hero. See, I knew it. I knew it. And he tells us, oh, I don't have a yacht. If I did, I'd let you ride on. No, he wouldn't. No way he would. But um, back in the day, let's see, the, the Gators – Golly, I don't remember all of them now. I remember one of them. The left-handed quarterback? Yeah, one of them was Johnny Nichols, and that was a trick question because he was kind of a package deal. His dad was a coach at Pensacola Escambia, and when Emmett Smith came, we had to give him a scholarship <laughs> too. He was a holder, but he was a left-handed quarterback. And um, oh, I well, 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 Rodney Brewer comes to mind. Yeah, was Rodney a, Brewer. He was a good player, great baseball player. And uh, Yeah, he was. And uh, he, was a, he was a good quarterback. Uh, but Kerwin Bell was, uh, I think, ahead of him, or Wayne Peace. Or Bo- Bo- but he, I think he kind of overlapped both of them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he he did. And uh, I remember he had that terrible game. He had awful luck. He, in 1985, Galen Hall was good friends with Dick Anderson, not the, the Dolphins' Dick Anderson, but the head coach of Rutgers. And that 85 team played Rutgers in Gainesville, and we went up 28-3, to and uh, he called the dogs off. And uh, put Brewer in, and I think he fumbled a snap, and then he threw a pick six, and he just had an awful day. He had a rough game. And I then that. Yeah. we had a chance to clinch a um, place in the college playoff, in the uh, 
in the regionals. We're playing down in Miami, and Rodney Brewer dropped a fly ball against Miami down there, Mark Light Stadium, and the floodgates opened. We got beat, and we didn't get to go to the playoffs because of that. He just had a rough time. And I met him over in Orlando one time, and uh, nice guy. Oh, yeah, and he was a talented athlete. And he, those two times where, where things didn't work out well. But yeah. the point is he was good enough to be on the football field and the baseball field for the Gators. I think he and, made it to the major leagues with the Cardinals for a cup of coffee. I don't think he stuck very long. Uh, not for a long time, but he did make it. So uh, he was a good hitter. I remember that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah so Big the, guy. Yeah, so, so I, uh, I, obviously Tebow and Hugo and Rodney Brewer and you – Who's the guy you mentioned? <laughs> uh, they, you mentioned you, Johnny Nichols. Johnny Nichols. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure there are any others, are there? Are we yeah, there, there was. There was one. I can't think of his name now. He, he played in 1967. Gosh, and his dad was a professor at Florida, and I can't remember his name now. I'll have to look him up when we go to break. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. We were, had Unfortunately, weren't able to get hold of Coach Bearfield. He's probably very busy in preparation for that big game against Tampa Bay Tech. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 1430, Talk 96.7 WLKF. Getting back to more of the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Talk Radio 96.7, the Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, where you can turn scrap metal into cash. And by Going 406, where you can swing for the fence. Uh, you know, Ronnie, there was some uh, activity on the coaching front the last couple of weeks in college football. A little uh, bit. A little bit, yeah. Especially a lot has been happening with the Gators. And, you know, when the more things that are going on with the Gators, the more that I rely on OnlyGators.com, which really gives all the insight. And, and frankly, uh, you know, we, we probably should have had you on a lot sooner Adam, because uh, maybe we could have saved saved this whole situation from getting this out of hand. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Ozone from OnlyGators.com. The great Adam Silverstein. Man, uh, how, have you been doing well? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, just so everyone knows, I did not pay for an advertisement uh, with that <laughs> intro, and I, I appreciate it, guys, very much. Uh, I, the, truth is, the truth is I have not slept much. Uh, in the last two weeks, uh, between my, full, my full-time job is in college football. The site, OnlyGators.com, is a, a side kind of project that I do uh, covering the Gators. Um, so it's been absolutely wild these past two weeks. Of course, Adam, you are the managing editor of, uh, of college sports at CBS Sports. Uh, yeah, you also have time for your pod, wrestling podcast at Getting Overcast. I'm going to have to listen to that one of these days. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, in terms of wrestling, the Gators uh, didn't wrestle very long with a coaching decision. Uh, they went right after Billy Napier, almost as as if Scott Strickland knew exactly what he wanted the moment uh, that he decided to get rid of Dan Mullen. Yeah, you know, I think every athletic director across the country, when they introduce the coach during the press conference, they say, we got our first choice, right? That's like the thing they <laughs> <Yeah>. all say. <laughs> um, with Scott Strickland, in this case, it's true. Uh, you know, straight away, uh, when it became pretty obvious, I would say, I don't necessarily know in the Georgia game, I think the week after that, when it became pretty obvious, that uh, the South Carolina game, uh, when Florida was going to move in a different direction or probably needed to, I think Scott probably had whatever list that athletic directors keep. He probably narrowed it down and, uh, you know, came up with his one, two, and three, and ultimately uh, went after his number one guy and got him. And, you know, I think a lot of people in retrospect see Billy Napier, a Sun Belt coach, and they're like, well, did Florida, you know, act too soon when 
suddenly LSU is getting Brian Kelly and USC is getting Lincoln Riley. But that type of stuff doesn't really matter if your guy, your athletic director, believes that he got the right person to lead your program. You know, one of the things that's bugged me about the way uh, this has been covered nationally is they keep m- mentioning the fact that uh, Mullen's record with the Gators was was generally good, uh, including three straight yeah. New Year's Six games. But it wasn't about wins and losses per se. It was about the state of the program, and you seem to understand that really well. Yeah, can you uh, can you tell our listeners exactly why it was necessary? now, if not sooner, to, to move on from Dan Mullen? Sure. Well, I think it's, uh, it, it is not, not at all about wins and losses, right? It's, it's fair to say that he was extremely successful during his first three years with the program, but you cannot forget, you know, the expectations weren't exceptionally high this year, but they certainly weren't 6-6, six and six, and they weren't losing to South Carolina and Missouri and nearly losing to Sanford and, and things like that. So, you know, you can say wins and losses, it wasn't all about that, but it definitely had an impact the way this team performed. But the way this team performed was evidence of institutional problems. And that's not to say that Mullen was doing anything nefarious or, or, or there were bad things happening in the program, but it showed a lack of structure. Recruiting was a major issue. Florida has not been bringing in top-tier classes. And if you look at the programs that are competing for national titles year in and year out, they are top five generally top 10 classes in the recruiting rankings. And Florida's just at the bottom there. They were a second tier recruiting program. And this is a, a team and Mullen has been on staff at Florida when they brought in number one classes under urban Meyer. So, you know, it's possible. So there, there was just a lot of stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. A lot of the public comments he made both last year during the pandemic and this year rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, not wanting to talk about recruiting, talking about packing the swamp in the middle of a pandemic. It was just, a whole bunch of stuff that piled on top of each other where it eventually became pretty apparent that if Florida was going to win football games, uh, it probably needed to go in a different direction. Adam, Ronnie Ocean here. Um, thank you again for being with us tonight. We really appreciate you taking time to be with us. And, um, you know, this current roster really doesn't have a whole lot of talent. There's no playmakers basically on offense or defense that really scare you. And uh, we saw that Chris Bogle, one of the guys that I thought would – would probably benefit from staying uh, is going into the transfer portal. Of course, that doesn't mean that he's going to leave. Um, how much of that do you think that uh, Billy Napier is going to be able to head off? And are there kids in, in recruiting that you think he might be able to turn because the recruiting class is not very good right now? Sure. So a lot there to unpack. The first thing I'll say is, and I'm not trying to you know disagree with you or anything, but there is a lot of talent on the program. But the problem is Florida just doesn't also have – those five-star recruits, right? right? They have they have everything else. They just don't have that top-tier guys that put everything over the top. And by the way, open up opportunities for all those other guys. And there was even a problem this year in terms of Florida with using some of the best players. Damian Pierce, who is going to be an NFL running back, he will get drafted, I think, on day two. The guy didn't get double-digit carries until the final game of the season. That's absolutely crazy. So I just you know wanted to clarify that. In terms of recruiting, in terms of the transfer portal, I don't think Florida really needs to worry about the transfer portal itself. Every single team in the nation loses kids to the portal. I think in the last, I think I saw something today, and I don't know if it's 100% accurate, but in the last like 48 hours, 280 FBS players entered the portal. So Florida's lost four to the portal so far. You know, I don't know how that math works out, but it's not that crazy of a number, especially when you have a coaching change. And then the third part of your question about recruiting, 
you know, it, it, this is going to be a transitional class. That's almost always the case when you bring in a new coach. I think a lot of the kids that are still currently committed, that have not decommitted, that are on the list, they seem pretty happy with the hire. Does that mean that Napier is going to keep 100% of them? Is he going to want to keep 100% of them? I don't know. He needs, he's going to be the one evaluating the talent. I do think there is an opportunity. It's the, one of the reasons why Florida hired Billy Napier is because he's an exceptionally strong recruiter. I do think there's an opportunity to, quote-unquote, save this class. doesn't mean it's going to be a top-10 class. But I do think Florida has an opportunity to end up in that top 15, 17 class range. And when you consider, I think it's at 31 right now, um, it doesn't take too much to get there. There's a lot of kids still considering the Gators, and Billy Napier is going to have the opportunity, not just before the early period, but before the February period, to get them committed. But one of the things I've seen is that he's already going to visit on Monday. He's going to be introduced in Gainesville on Sunday. And then on Monday, he's already going to visit some kids at Florida's after in Louisiana. So you really like to see that. One of the rumors that I saw, and I wanted to see if you've heard this, if you've been able to verify this, is that Dan Mullen actually gave his cell phone to one of the recruiting administrators, the analysts, and had her answering his texts. And then there was a mole in the athletic department that told some of the other schools what was going on. And some of the kids said, Hey, coach, I want to FaceTime with you. And she didn't know what to do. Is that true or is that just something somebody made up? I have not heard that personally. Now, that just because I haven't heard it doesn't mean it's not true. But there's, I think there's a pretty big difference between Dan Mullen not loving recruiting and Dan Mullen doing an absolutely abject failure, terrible job. That has not been the case. Florida's brought in some talented kids. I don't think he would go to that extreme. I feel like that's something that perhaps is exaggerated, made up. Maybe, maybe there was an occasion where Dan asked an assistant to text a bunch of kids and one of them wanted to FaceTime and he wasn't able to do it in that moment. I'm guessing that was not something that happened regularly, if at all. I don't even know if that's true. Well, you know, I think you've got a good perspective on it. I think what you said is probably true, but I'd heard that. I wanted to see if you – I know you're very well connected <laughs> and I wanted to see what you heard. I can't you confirm heard. it. All right. Well, but, but Adam, you know, the, the even before things fell apart, uh, and, uh, you know, in early part of the season, the Gators were hemorrhaging mm-hmm. recruits, and and their status was it was terrible, and and it almost mm-hmm. portended what was what was going on that things were crumbling. Uh, why why did this happen? Why did things crumble like they did so quickly? I just think it was really a combination of a lot of the things we talked about: the off the field stuff. Um, kids maybe in the program not fully buying into what Mullen was selling. You really have to believe in the head coach. You know, if, if you're in college, it's very different from the NFL where you're directly playing for a paycheck and you're also playing for your next paycheck. Not every you know kid that is at a program, every athlete uh, is playing at the next level. A lot of them need to be motivated to win the games that they that are currently in front of them. And I think as the season went on, you know, Florida lost its opportunity at a national championship. It lost its opportunity to lose the East. It lost to Georgia. And it's kind of all rolling downhill. And then when you look at the talent disparity with the recruiting class that was failing, and then Mullen is there. He's trying to get all these athletes to buy back in and and keep going on and winning the season. And yet he's also very resistant to make significant change and has been historically. He's very stubborn. Um, Excuse me. So when you put all of that together, how do you take a team that's not performing well 
and motivate them to perform better when they don't have much to play for. I think when you combine all of those things that were happening, the public pressure uh, sentiment from fans, it just really made his continued employment uh, and leadership of the program untenable. One other thing that he was reluctant to change, and it seems to me that this might be the key for the Gators in their short-term future, would be the, you know to play Anthony Richardson. Uh, Kyle Trask proved mm-hmm. last year that great quarterbacking can, uh, can cover a lot of ills. And uh, if, if Richardson can be developed, uh, can, can the Gators end up being a contender in the short term while they, while they uh, replenish the program? Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman. I mean, you know, with the NFL draft and certainly um, NIL, you know, there's a lot of reasons why extremely talented players would stay in school perhaps a year longer than they otherwise would have in the past. With Anthony Richardson, this year is kind of a lost year, right? So he's going into next season as a redshirt sophomore. Um, if Billy Napier believes in him the way the fans do and, and seemingly the way that his teammates do, he's the starting quarterback most likely. Um, and he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he can lead this program. So, yes, having a quarterback like him, it can really help. Is it going to help next season, 2022? Probably not. You know, that'll probably be one of those years where the Gators surprised when a couple games maybe we watching don't think they were going to. I think the proof in the pudding would be in 2023. If he's still around, um, if the Gators, you know, have recruited, they get that really good second recruiting class in. If Napier's developed the talent that's currently on the program, 2023 is really going to be the year to say, all right, let's get some like results from this coaching change and from this talent that's on the program. Adam, Ronnie Ocean again. Um, give us a call, 682-1430, if you'd like to talk to Adam. He's very knowledgeable about the Gators. He writes for Gators only. So give us a call, 682-1430. Adam, um, you mentioned the quarterback situation. What do you think will happen with Emory Jones? you think he'll transfer? you think he'll hang around? And what about the two freshmen behind him? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really great question. Um, you know, with, for any, at any position more than any other, in terms of committing to Dan Mullen, and committing to Florida to play for Dan Mullins, it's the quarterback position. That's number one. Maybe wide receiver is number two. Emory Jones, you know, I can't predict what he is going to do. I think it's pretty obvious the way that Anthony Richardson played in that Florida State game, the way he played in the LSU game. That if Billy Napier is coming in here and evaluating the offense based on tape and what he sees in practice, I have to assume Anthony Richardson is going to end up starting next season. And if Emory Jones sees that and he knows the writing's on the wall, well, he can enter the transfer portal now. He can enter it after spring practice or during spring practice and still have an opportunity to play for another team next season. Or he could stick it out. Uh, injuries happen, and there could be a, a way to utilize him as well in a two-quarterback type of system. So he, all those options are on the table. I can't really predict what he's going to do because they legitimately are. Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Adam, unfortunately, we're up against a break. Um, All good. Before we leave, um, tell everyone how they can uh, get your expertise on a regular basis. Yeah, very simple. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at OnlyGators, or you can visit the website, OnlyGators.com. Adam, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being with us tonight. You got it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. You got it. Bye. All right. Ronnie Ocean, Coach Joe, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, I'm Larry Little of the Miami Dolphins. I'm listening to Ronnie O on the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. 
The Ozone brought to you by Going 406 and Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And I know you know that right now is the time where we are going to cure hunger one person at a time. We've got a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. And all you have to do is answer our sports quiz. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430 at 682-1430. And here is your question. I mentioned earlier Stan Musial, one of the all-time greats, uh, St. Louis Cardinal for his entire career. And um, what I want to know is, what was Stan Musial's nickname? Was it A, Stanley Steamer, B, Stan the Man, or C, Six Shooter Stan? Give us a call, 682-1430 if you haven't won in the last six months, and we'll send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They've got over 40 strategically located television sets. You can watch your favorite sporting event from anywhere in the restaurant, and you just might see Coach Joe and I out there anytime. I thoroughly enjoyed last Saturday watching the Gators play FSU on the, the screen there, one of the big screens uh, over there at Ale House. I, and, uh, you know, their general manager, Jorge, he's admittedly an FSU fan, but he, he took it all in really good stride. Uh, he, he really did. And uh, he was, it was just a great experience because the, re- the best thing about it is, you know, there were so many good games on. It started at noon. You know, I wanted to watch the Gators, obviously. But also, you know, I didn't want to miss Ohio State-Michigan. Right. And, and there was a, a couple other good games on as well. And I got to see them all because right yeah. there I was at the Yale House. So it was a great experience. A great no time, doubt. As always. No doubt. Well, we got a caller. Daryl, how are you? Doing fine, man. Daryl. Oh, my I, goodness. I we got a Daryl study. <laughs> And uh, you were having Dan Mullen for dinner. He he has come out of retirement. He's got cobwebs on his phone. Well, oh, yeah, you, you know, oh, I man. I was a fan of of Dan Mullen, uh, Daryl, and and I've I've always said I'm the last guy off the, off the train. You know, uh, <laughs> by the time I lo- I gave up my support of him, he was already fired. So, yeah. you know, well, but, but it had to happen. We'll wait and see. I you know, I I they've they've been through a few coaches up there. No, no doubt. Well, Dan Mullen was the right guy at the time that they hired him, and he did what he did well. He gave us, he got us back to uh, prominence again. He fixed the problem that's that were uh, brewing under McIlwain. Got the team strong again. Uh, rebuilt the offense. Got great quarterbacking play again. I'm not sure why it all fall, fell apart, but it did, and uh, it just wasn't working anymore. Well, I will. We'll we'll see what happens. The only thing I can look back is. Uh, in four years, it'll be four bowl games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, three, three New Year's Six bowl games, and I don't even, I don't even count the Oklahoma game last year against him because everybody left. Well, I think that was part of the problem. When everybody did leave, well, all of a sudden we realized just how little had been developed in in behind it. And I think it's just about you know the, uh, the current state of the program. You know, not so much what what his record was, which was good, but but where it was going, and whether he was the man to um, to get it back to prominence, or if it was heading in the uh, south, and and there were, uh, only a change could fix that. It, you're right; it, you never really know. But uh, it it just, uh, I mean, with the South Carolina game and the Missouri game, I mean, and even the Samford game, which the Gators won, there's a lot of bad signs there, man. Well, I think the program is starting to fall apart because. 
he had not recruited well. And, um, you know, you've got to recruit and you got to recruit all year long. That's just the way it is. And I know these coaches would probably rather not be out there kissing those fannies, but you got to do it. If you don't, you're going to get left behind. And, you know, when he had his greatest success, it was with McIlwain's uh, recruits. You know, Pitts, Kyle Trask, and Tony were all McIlwain guys. And I'm not sure how Kyle Trask got there. I don't know how heavily he was recruited. He he wasn't. He was actually discovered. They I think they were at a camp, or they were out there at his high school looking at somebody else. And um, they Doug Nussmeyer, I think, is the one that found him. Well, and he said, hey, this guy is pretty good. And, well, they were looking at uh, D.R. King, mm-hmm. who was his yeah, t- high school teammate. This is my assessment of football in the Southeastern Conference right now. you got to have a good enough coaching staff to win with some three and four stars because you ain't going to get all five stars. Well, they're, they're all going to Alabama and Georgia. Right? And Alabama <laughs> yeah. and Georgia. Every, you're going to get your share, but you got to coach up the other guys. And, um, and I, think, I think that secondary was, has been abysmal for three years now, but that's a different story. Daryl, we're up against the end of the show. Did you want to win the sports quiz? Are you going to go to the Ale House if you win? Yeah, I, I'm going to go to the Ale House if I win, absolutely. The, 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 I called in and he said something about Stan, Stan the Man Musial or something like that. With the <laughs> that's quiz. exactly right. So you didn't fall for my Stanley Steamer. I thought that was pretty clever. And six-shooter Stan, I made that one up. So let me um, let me throw another one at you to think about. There's another right. guy that used that name too. He was a relief pitcher for the Orioles. Uh, Stan the man unusual. It, it was a. Uh, it's, uh, I want to say Stan Stanhouse. Stan Stanhouse, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember him. Yeah. He he he, he, he was he, a, he was a strange Earl one. Weaver's mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Oh, was that the guy he called three pack because he walked so many <laughs> yes, people? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, he I remember the bases that now. Loaded every time. Daryl, we're out of time. Hang on the line, and uh, Eric will get your information.